Welcome to Barn Banter by Horse Illustrated, a podcast with something for all horse lovers. I'm Raquel Lynn from Los Angeles. You might know me from my blogs, Horses and Heels, or Stable Style. And I'm Susan Friedland from Saddle Seeks Horse. Raquel and I grew up reading Horse Illustrated magazine and riding as much as possible. Today, we both write for the magazine and are friends in real life. Join us each month as we do one of our favorite things, talk about horses and the horse lifestyle. Hey, Raquel, happy March. Hey, how are you? I am doing well. And, you know, when I think of March, for some reason, I have this odd memory of being in elementary school and a bulletin board that said March comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb. And then my teacher explained, or it could come in like a lamb and go out like a lion. And now that I think about it, I think they were trying to teach us metaphor, but I'm curious. I've been watching the weather and I know there's been some unusual things going on. Uh, meteorologic. I don't even know how I'm saying that word the right way in your neck of the woods. What is going on? Are you having lion or lamb weather in Los Angeles? Yeah, we've been getting hit with, um, some stormy weather these, uh, past couple of days, uh, a lot of rain and snow, um, which is crazy. There's snow on the mountains that I can see from my house, um, which they never have snow. So it's been very interesting. A lot of storms, a lot of trees down and stuff like that. You know like what this that. means? That you need to hop on, Fura, go up into the hills, and maybe there'll be some trees down that you could do like little jumps. And then some you can get country. up to the top. Yeah. And then you can get up to the top and ride in the snow. Yeah, I think it's all melted. Oh no! Okay, it, well if it, it rains again for like a day, but yes, we'll uh, we'll put on our cross country uh, attire and go I'd jump like, those trees. I would like to see that in your western saddle. Um, yes, actually, so I, I, I'm just teasing Raquel a little bit here. She's no stranger to riding in the snow. Yeah, we both I grew, grew up, up in, in the Midwest, <laughs> riding in the snow um, back in the day before indoor arenas and stuff. I mean, I'm sure they existed, but not where I boarded my first horses. And Yeah. Well, you're in Florida right now and you just had a book signing, right? I did. Yes. It was a multi-author book signing at a boutique at World Equestrian Center. Um, and it was so fun. And I love writing books and I love meeting readers probably about equal. It's fun to hear stories and um, just connect with fellow horse lovers. And there were a lot of fellow horse lovers from Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, people probably who, well, some of them were there horse showing and then some were down just to take it in because it's such a beautiful escape the weather. Yeah. And escape <laughs> the weather. And they, we were all kind of uh, grinning a little bit like, yeah, we just dodged that big ice storm. Um, so we've had some, so I'm having a lamb type weather, so to speak. And, uh, but although I didn't realize that the book signing was going to be outside and uh, it was uh, about 87 degrees, a little warm, a little warm, which Normally I love, but I've been in the colder weather 
um, yeah. up north. And so when there's that, tra- like you don't slowly transition through spring, it's like you're freezing cold and then it goes to hot, hot. It's a little. Yeah. So you're not used, you're not used to that. And night is back in the cold. Um, and I know the cold. (laughs) Yeah. I know you were going to get him scoped. Um, I did. And I was right. He had ulcers. Mm. So it's weird because it's like, Oh good. He has ulcers, which like the, the good part is not that I want my horse to have ulcers, uh, nor do I want to pay for the medication that takes them away, (laughs) but just that it's not that he is just truly being a jerk. Um, and yeah. So, and and also in a way it's gratifying to know that I know my horse so well and that I can pick up on the subtle cues he's giving me. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that we will talk about with, uh, Jenny, our body worker later about pain signals. So yes. (laughs) Oh, that's going to be really good. But I wanted to ask you, I know spring's on the way and you are a busy bee, not just with your chickens, um, but you are working on some candles. I hear some new candles for your stable style line. Yeah. So, um, hopefully for the fall, I've got a new concept in mind. Um, I've been doing glass jars, which are really pretty, but I'm hoping to do some tin jars. Um, and I'm going to get them basically fear is going to be the muse. And so they're, they're going to have like a horse on them and the art that I'm in the process of creating is going to be fear for them. So I'm coming up with some really cool candle designs. Um, so I'm very excited about that. I love that. So yeah. I like, is, can you reveal names at this point or, or no, still under wraps? Okay. Yeah. So I'm still okay. working on all of the scents. I'm kind of just working on the design for the jar. Um, and those, all those fun little details. Um, but yeah, then there's definitely going to be new scents and stuff like that. So this is going to be kind of, a little bit different for stable style, but I'm really excited. As you should be. I'm excited too, because I have some of your candles and they're really lovely. Yeah, they smell great. But yeah, enough about us. Uh, okay, let's get, we should get on to our show. Yeah, let's uh, start and talk with our, our first guest. Today we chat with New York Times reporter Sarah Maslinier, the author of the new Once Upon a Horse children series featuring true stories from across the equestrian world. Later, we talk about the benefits of bodywork for your horse and how to find a reputable practitioner with expert Jenny Zonghetti. Finally, we'll check in with this month's adorable, adoptable horse, Armani. Sarah Maslin-Near is a staff reporter for the New York Times and the author of the new Once Upon a Horse series of children's books featuring true stories from across the equestrian world. Book one, The Flying Horse, comes out on March 14th, 2023. Near is also the author of the adult nonfiction book, Horse Crazy, the story of a woman and a world in love with an animal, published in 2020 by Simon & Schuster. She rides hunters competitively, and is the mom of four horses and one pony. Hi, Sarah. I'm so excited to have you on Barn Banter. Thank you. You know, we've read each other's books, so it's like we know each other, even though we've never met in person, but I feel like you're a friend. 
I, you know what? We're bound to meet in person. I, I just have this feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you are totally horse crazy. In fact, you've written a book, which I loved and recommend to a lot of friends. Um, but the thing I've been wondering about you for the longest time is, do you have any hobbies or interests outside of horses? Like, do you go bowling or salsa dancing or what do you like to do that's not related to horses? I'm sorry. I don't understand the question. Can you, sorry. <laughs> What wait, there's things other than horses to do, Susan? Is that your yeah? Yes. So I'm a reporter for the New York Times. Um, that's my day job. Horses are my side hustle. Um, so look, I don't knit, I don't paint, certainly don't have time for it. Uh, with my buying and selling and uh showing and now breeding horses. But I guess you could say that my side passion is journalism. You know, I'm an investigative reporter, uh, finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. This is me brushing my shoulders off for the uh, <laughs> listeners who can't see it. <laughs> um, but my side passion is, you know, advocating for social justice. I'm also on the board of a therapeutic riding organization on the advisory board called Gallup NYC. It's in the middle of New York City. We do 500 riding lessons a week for uh, disabled and uh, veteran New Yorkers and uh, among others. So those are the things, but they all align on the same Venn diagram of social justice and ponies. Awesome. awesome. (laughs) Um, Okay. So the other thing I really want to know, you live in New York city and I presume your horses do not. So what, tell us what your barn commute is like and how do you fit it all in? <laughs> so I commute an hour to stables where I keep my horses in White House, New Jersey. I fit it all in because I think the bigger your life is, the bigger it can get. It is a balancing act, you know, writing books on the side. Now I'm also making movies about horses, uh, having my, you know, amateur show jumping career and being a journalist. But, you know, horses are worth it. So I never feel that that commute is long. I never feel tired out by it. Also helps that I have a really cute Cocker Spaniel as my co-pilot. Yeah. So uh, that's how I fit it in, which is, I don't really. Okay. And then are you a coffee drinker? I am drinking my third iced coffee as we record this part. Okay. I had my suspicions. I thought like, she must not need a lot of sleep and she probably drinks a lot of coffee. Yep. Um, okay. So please tell us about your horses because you have several of them. And um, I also want to hear about these new developments with not just your showing, but uh, importing and breeding and all the good stuff. Yeah. So I have five horses right now, four horses and one pony. And they're sort of a little business in themselves. So I I lease them out and sell them out in order to fund my own. So I'm like a drug dealer who does her own stash. You know, (laughs) I don't make money off this, but I'm kind of at zero, which is pretty good place to be. Uh, I call it not a Ponzi scheme. Are you ready? A Ponyzy scheme. Oh my gosh. You had that in Horse Crazy, I think. That was in Horse Crazy. I was like, that's pretty clever. (laughs) In my first book. Um, Yeah, so I have my foundation horse for all of this craziness, a trendsetter who is a character in Horse Crazy. He's 23 now. He's a Dutch warm blood, an AO hunter. And he is actually the character, uh, one of the protagonists of my new book, which comes out uh, in March. It's a kid's book called The Flying Horse. And it's about a horse called Trendsetter. 
It's about a girl called Sarah. Wait a second. My name's Sarah. And she can't spell. Wait a second. I can't spell. And she wants to be a reporter. Oh, my God. It's about me and Trendy. And Trendy and Sarah fail all along their journeys. And at the end, they find each other and heal each other. And the message of that book is a message I never got as a kid because I really struggled in school. I was told I was slow and and uh, not, lazy. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm not. I don't think so. But you, maybe you're right. Um, but I grew up to be a book author and writer for The New York Times just by being struggling with spelling and reading. And at the end, the lesson that they get is you don't have to be great at anything to be good. And they were always good even as they failed, even as they made mistakes, they were good. And that's a lesson I, I I didn't get. So that's a lesson I want to give. And in my life, when I struggled, horses were always there for me. Horses always said, you're enough, just as you are. And so Trendy is my foundation horse for my Pony Z scheme and all my books. Then I have Falcor, also called At Last. He's a ginormous 173. Uh, KWPN, and he is uh, 1,563 pounds. He just was weighed. I can't believe it. What? It's the biggest it's thing huge. you've ever seen. <laughs> and it's just an inflated pony. His, his forehead is a foot wide and his little muzzle. He's he's like Falcor, the dragon from uh, the never-ending story, if anyone remembers. Just a giant beast. And then I have a Palomino Zangershide, five-year-old, called Brightside that I just imported. And he's part of my business developing, importing and developing hunters. Though, how the heck I'm ever going to part with a Palomino Barbie dream horse? Mm -hmm. I don't know. And then I have a pony called Starlet. She's a top-of-the-line medium. And she's in South Carolina with a kid called Maddie showing and just tearing it up, which is really fun. And then I have one more, just got, you ready? Her name is Summer Day. She is, believe it or not, a Scottish sport horse, which I think is a made up term for a warm blood mutt. And she's a Palomino and she lives in Brittany, France. And she's going to have a baby with Brightside and getting inseminated next month. So will that make you a grandmother? <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna be a a grandmother. <laughs> no, that was terrible. Fantastic. But I'm gonna create a Palomino warm blood empire. That's basically what you just heard. I think that is a very worthy life goal. Can we join you, <laughs> yeah. Sarah? Yeah. Do you need I love Palominos. <laughs> so I gelded Brightside, uh, but before I did that, I collected him. So he had the best week of his life followed by the worst week of his life in Belgium. And so now I'm going to make a million um, Palomino Wormblitz. The book's called Horse Crazy for a Reason, Susan. That, that not, is true. Raquel, it's not horse sane. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's a lot of horses. Yeah. <laughs> so the, I know you are really passionate about um, showing hunters and the hunter ring and the tradition and the precision and the beauty. And I know you've also fox hunted, but I was curious if um, you were required to change disciplines in the horse world, what would you turn to? All right. I will never be a jumper ever again. I was a kid jumper. I was pretty good at it because I had no fear. I also had no skill. And I just relied on the horse tearing me around. I I actually like felt pride in getting a one stride and a two stride, which now I know is insane, but just was on a thoroughbred who did everything for me. Um, but I will never go fast ever again, which is why I love the hunters. And I mostly love the hunters because I'm terrible at it. So it's just this kind of like 
type A personality catnip to be constantly trying to improve and you can't. So I think I would pick up side saddle. So my friend, Jesse Lockery, who, along with the actor Beth Bears from Two Broke Girls, who is a slid into my DMs after reading Horse Crazy and became a friend, we own the ponies together. We've done a couple sale ponies. And Jesse and I went on a rumspringa during COVID and we tried every discipline we could. And we tried side saddle and Jesse was amazing at it. I was predictably terrible at it but I loved it. It's so ridiculous. And it's so badass because it's impossible. Have you guys ridden side saddle? No, I have not. No, tried but it. we want to. <laughs> yeah. Can oh. you, can you make it happen for us if we come visit you on the East coast? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, it, everything hurts after you ride 10 minutes side saddle. It makes no sense. You only have one leg, your side. It's ridiculous. I love it. That That's amazing. All right. Let's dig in a little bit more to your book that I think by the time this podcast is out, people will be able to buy right now. It's on pre-order mm-hmm. the flying horse. And, um, yeah, I read it. I really liked it. And it was funny because I knew it was like, I knew it was you as the character, but then there were some things lined up that from reading horse crazy, I was like, wait a minute, I don't know if that's real or not. So was it, um, challenging to weave the fiction into the nonfiction or did it just kind of flow naturally? Somebody called it the other day, gave me a great word for it, autofiction. So it's autobiography, but fictionalized. So as a reporter, I wanted every fact to be true. So the journey that Trendy goes on in Europe is through the way stations of equestrian history. And they're impossible, right? He's a Dutch warm blood and he ends up in the Spanish riding school for lip honors. But all of those things are true. All the people he meets are based on real people who exist. The first ever female cavalry master of the Spanish riding school, for example. Uh, she started, I believe it was 2008. And uh, one of the characters who brings him there is based on her, um, the Olympian who also shepherds his journey. But the narrative is false. So the narrative is fictive, um, but all the way stations of all of their lives are real. Um, so it's a, interesting, you know, as a reporter, I hew exclusively to the truth. So it was really liberating to mm-hmm. just have fun with story and plot. The second book in the series, uh, so The Flying Horse, comes out in March and the series is called Once Upon a Horse. So book two in Once Upon a Horse is called The Jockey and Her Horse. That comes out in the fall. It's about the first ever female black jockey to win a race in America. She's a real person named Cheryl White. She did it when she was 17 years old in 1971. This is a gal who grew up in a segregated America and still at 17 was a badass teenager breaking all barriers. It's co-written with her brother and her story is true. But Raymond White, her brother and I decided to add in some fictional narratives to help tell the journey. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with this because I wasn't before I began my research journey, but thoroughbred racing is entirely predicated on enslaved human labor. And it really hasn't had its moment in the sun about that. The way you did thoroughbred racing in its earliest days was you ran the humans you owned with the horses you owned underneath them. And people went to West Africa to purchase uh humans who had equestrian skills because West Africa has a huge equestrian heritage. So in the book about Cheryl, the fictional story is the real Cheryl was a math champion. She was like an incredible math genius. So she goes to a math Olympiad in 
Senegal, West Africa. And that's when she discovers this erased history, which has been erased from herself, which is uh, very common in Black Americans being divorced from their own story, their own history. And in that way, Cheryl becomes like my reader, discovering it along with the reader. So I thought that was interesting vehicle. All of it's true. Just the journey is fictive. Wow. I can't wait to read that one too, Sarah. Can I reveal something very exciting about that? Yes, please. Okay, you ready, guys? Yeah. So I'm sure you each had Briar Horse collections. Mm -hmm. Cheryl White, first ever female black jockey, is going to be a Briar. And she's going to have a little Cheryl model and her horse, Jetalera, and my book sold all together. And I'm just thrilled. It's the first real black equestrian Briar has ever made in its 75 year history. And I just love that kids are going to be able to play with her and see her. And also it's a Briar. So I'm thrilled. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We love that. Is, um, are you able to disclose like the timing on that? I think it's going to debut at Briar Fest 2023. Will you be there? Awesome. I will be at Briar Fest 2023. Maybe that's where we can meet. I have not been, and I've heard Briarfest is like, you've got to go. It's a bucket For your list. listeners who don't know, 40,000 Briar obsessives come and descend on the Kentucky Horse Park in wow. late August. It's wild. I'm so excited. Wow. What other fun and exciting things do you have going on? You mentioned something. I think you said something about Hollywood. So... The books, the Once Upon a Horse series, um, the Cheryl book in specific has been optioned for two films, both a documentary about Cheryl and then a, a fictional feature length version. That doesn't mean they'll necessarily get made. You know, it's a long ways away. But how many horse girl movies have the three of us watched? Has there ever been a black horse girl movie? And this is a real black horse girl. And so it's high time that there is added to the canon Cheryl's story. So I'm really hopeful and excited about it getting made. Good. Fingers crossed for that. And then you have, is this a series that will go on like 20 books or are you kind of just uh, playing it by ear? Do you know? Is my publisher listening? 20 books. We want 20, (laughs) at least 20. Do you hear that? (laughs) Let's hope. Um, I'm doing this really cool thing. There's a third book coming out. So right now it's three. The third book will come out in another year called uh, The Star Horse. And it's about a horse who goes to Hollywood. Also true. And I'm doing this really interesting type of book tour. I'm calling it a barn to barn book tour. So basically I put on Facebook. I want to meet horse people. I want to tell horse stories. Invite me to your barn and I'll come do a book party for you. And 27 stables have taken me up on it. So all March, I'm going up and down the East Coast and then a little bit on the West Coast to different stables. It's kind of blown up. It's really exciting. Therapeutic barns, show barns, backyard barns, animal rescues. And I'm doing a barn to barn book tour. And for your listeners, I'm open to more. They can slide into my DMs once upon a horse on Instagram and I'll come to your stables and we'll do a barn book party. That's amazing. (laughs) I want to come. Yeah. Come join me. All right, Sarah, thank you so much. Is there anything else that uh, you would like to share with our listeners, including how they can find you where they can see your books and read them and Sure. I think my overall message of all my books is that there's no one way to be a horsewoman. And I don't 
ride particularly well. I have a lot more passion than talent for the sport. I'll never be a pro, but there are many other ways to find your place in this horse world, whether it's telling horse stories, whether it's sidewalking at a therapy barn for disabled children. And we're all equally horsewomen. And I think that message can get a little lost in the shiny Instagrams and, you know, um, publications. So that's my message. You know, we're all, the three of us are all consummate horsewomen in very different ways, but we all belong. And so do your listeners. So you can find me on Instagram at once upon a horse. You can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Maslin near, but that's a lot more journalism. And you can buy my book everywhere books are sold, can pre-order all of them actually. And you can message me and I'll come to your stables and we'll have a party in the paddock. Sounds awesome. Thanks again. Thank you for Thanks, having Sarah. me. Thanks, Sarah. Appreciate it. Bye. With unrivaled performance and breakthrough equine technology, Exhibitor's Color Enhancing System is pH balanced contains no harsh chemicals, bleaches, or dyes, and intensifies your horse's natural coat color, contrast, and shine. Champion dressage trainer and international Grand Prix rider, Amina Said Bursas says, my favorite thing about Exhibitor's products is that they work. It's so evident that they are products for horses made by a horse company. My favorite product is Quicksilver, mostly because it has so many uses for me. I use it on the horses, my own blonde hair, and I use it to wash my white breeches. For professional show ring results, Exhibitor's formulas clean and maintain the magnificence of your show horse. Visit ExhibitorLabs.com to learn more. Jenny is an equine body worker living in Massachusetts. In 2017, she received her first of three equine massage certifications and continued her education with a certification in rehabilitation in 2022. She is also certified in MagnaWave, PEMF, kinesiology taping, thermal imaging, and canine massage therapy. Her goal during bodywork sessions is to relieve pain, tension, and compensation to find the root of the issue. When not working, she competes in the miniature horse show circuit along the East Coast and through to nationals. Hi, Jenny. How are you? I am good. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So before we start, um, I understand you have some adorable miniature horses in your life, and I want to talk about them. Yes, I do. I have three minis um, and we show the miniature horse circuit. They are so cute. And what are their names? They are Rain, Two Socks and Sunny. Oh, my goodness. Can you tell everybody <laughs> who's listening what color they are? Describe them a little bit. Yeah. So Rain is a black and white Pinto. He is 16 years old um, and I've had him since he was four months old. Sonny is a bay and white Pinto. He is seven and I've also had him since he was four months old. And Two Socks is a silver dapple. He is 21 years old and I got him when he was nine. Oh my gosh. Well, they look adorable. Thank you. Um, I just love minis. And actually for 
people who know me, uh, it's a secret wish of mine to eventually get a mini. So hopefully I'll, I'll join the miniature horse club one day. Hey, um, Raquel, yeah. um, that's not a secret anymore. It's, it's now yeah. out into the world. <laughs> Maybe my husband will hear and, um, he'll make that happen for me. <laughs> Just putting it out there. But yeah, Jenny, tell us a little bit um, for those who don't know you about your background um, and how you got started with body work with uh, revitalizing equine. Yeah, so I've always been interested in horses um, and involved in horses. I grew up riding and I attended Johnson & Wales University where I majored in equine business management and attended um, or was a member of their IHSA team. And after that, I went on to work for a therapeutic riding center um, and I was a barn assistant and I helped during lessons and I wanted to do more with the horses, but not necessarily hands-on. I wanted more of an office job. And when I was in college, I knew I didn't want to be working in a barn. So I moved forward um, and worked for an equine PR company. And I managed social media channels for some of the top horse shows in the industry. And I wrote press releases and email blasts. And that was awesome. I loved my job, but I didn't get enough horse interaction. So I decided to move out of the horse world, actually. And I took a corporate job in order to spend some more time one-on-one -on -one with my horses instead of um, other people's horse industries um, mm -hmm. to focus solely on my guys. And I, <laughs> I felt left out again mm -hmm. and I became a body worker um, for horses. So a little bit about that, my own horse Rain got injured. I wanted to find a way to help him. My mom ended up doing some Google searching and finding that equine massage was a thing um, that I had no idea about. And I took a first, my first course in Connecticut in 2017. And after that, I was hooked. I went on and took two more courses in 2018. And in 2019, when I worked at that corporate job um, that I didn't end up liking, I quit and I became full-time in August, 2019, right before COVID hit. <laughs> And oh, then wow. full time ever since. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what um, for people who don't do body work, and I I definitely do some work on Fira and Susan. I'm pretty sure Knight has definitely had some body work done. Um, oh but... yes, he gets he gets all <laughs> the things. I've got a very um, lovely thoroughbred ulcer prone kissing spine. So he, he gets all, I mean, he gets more spa treatments and that kind of stuff than I do. Yeah. So can you tell us, uh, Jenny, what are some of the benefits of body work for horses? So it's just like the benefits for us as people, um, reduce inflammation and pain helps provide a relaxing environment. Um, so relaxes their mindset as well as their muscles, helps work out those knots and tension they may have in their body. Um, if horses are compensating, we try to work on those areas to find the cause of pain and why they're compensating um, to help make them a better athlete, more comfortable horse, and overall just general health. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, 
Here's a question, because I know you are based on the East Coast and for someone who maybe is looking to find a body worker and it's not in your area because we would love to send them to you. Um, but how would you suggest someone finds a reputable body worker? Because I know a lot of people these days will be like, I do body work and I feel like it's become a little more common. Um but I also think that there is a difference between the different skill levels. There is. So body work is just a general term that refers to any type of work that is done on the horse's body, whether it be soft tissue or skeletal by a chiropractor. And it's becoming more common mainly because people want to be their own horses. Massage therapists help them out. And the licensing is not there for equine massage therapists. So finding one can be a little difficult because there's not a main website to go on to um, that has everyone who's a body worker. The best thing I would recommend would be to ask for friend referrals. Um, then you can figure out who's in the area. And another great option is to go on your local Facebook page. Um, so we have Massachusetts horse people, or um, you might have something similar for your state. I would go on there and ask for some recommendations on body workers. Um, and a last option would be to, if you find a school that teaches equine body work and you really like their method and their techniques, ask them for um, a referral to practitioners in your area or see if they have a practitioner page which lists all the practitioners that have been certified through them that's a great idea um now what do you specifically specialize in so i stick to equine massage and i was also certified in rehab so i I'm geared more towards the rehab side. Um, mm -hmm. I like to work with horses who have a specific issue. We need to dig down, find the cause of pain, fix that cause of pain, and then work on rebuilding the horse from the ground up. Yeah, that's great. Now, uh, I know you just said, um, you know, fixing pain and stuff like that. Now, do you have certain things that you look for? Um, when it comes to pain or because I feel like that's a very hot topic these days, mm -hmm. like about telling how your horse is in pain and what are some of the signs? Um, are there certain ways that, you know, you'll tell owners to keep an eye out for these things? Or do you notice when you're working on a horse, like you see a release um, from the pain? Yeah, so I look a lot at their body language as well as their facial expressions. So are they pinning their ears back, grinding their teeth, um, have a just overall tense facial appearance, the wrinkles in their eyes and their nose? Um, and how are they standing? Are they standing wonky? Can they not stand square? Ideally, we want our horses to be standing square. That's where they're most comfortable. And what does the muscle feel like? Is it tight? Does it feel like Rice Krispies or is it stringy like guitar strings? Um, and, and is the horse providing me some type of reaction while I palpate these muscles? Are they moving around and dancing? Are they trying to kick me or trying to bite me? Those are all signs that the horse is uncomfortable um, while I'm working on them. And if they're being ridden, 
anything from bucking, rearing, bolting, not being able to pick up leads, um, not able to bend or um, perform to their highest yeah. would really be sign of pain. And if I could just insert here a little bit um, on our last episode, I was explaining how um, I'm new to dressage and I had a video done for a local um, like practice uh, virtual show and my horse did all the things that he was supposed to. He was a good boy. And I watched the video and I thought he looked incredibly uncomfortable. And so I was really glad you mentioned like the face, because I feel like there's mirrors in my arena. Um, I had a lesson around the same time and I just could see out of my peripheral vision that my horse's face <laughs> looked uncomfortable. And then I asked him to canter and he pinned his ears. And this is a golden retriever of a thoroughbred, we joke. Um, so it's like my horse doesn't pin his ears. Mm-hmm. Flash forward, he had ulcers and he was letting me know. <laughs> yeah. Giving you, giving you the signs that it was not okay. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. have to be huge. It doesn't have to be a big buck. It's something very subtle that you notice just the tension in the face or the pinning of the ears. Um, and that was great that you were able to pick that up from your horse and you searched, um, to find that cause and found it. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, one more question for you. I know you teach online courses and you have um, some on your website. So can you tell us a little bit about those for maybe people who are interested and, in, you know, perhaps doing, you know, learning about body work more on their own? Yeah, so I recently started introducing some online courses for those people who um, want to learn more about how to help their horse. And um, my newest course, which is called 12 Days of Revitalizing Your Equine Partner, is covers the core concepts of what an equine body worker focuses on um, and works on when they are either working on a horse or looking into causes of pain. So that has some massage techniques, some stretching, um, as well as some rehab modalities and nutritional information in it. That's great. Um, Now, where can readers find you online? They can find me on my Instagram at Revitalizing Equine or my website, www.revitalizingequine.com. Perfect. And we are going to go ahead and put all of Jenny's information um, in the show notes at the bottom so you can look her up and find her online. But um, thank you so much for talking to us. And I think now is a great time as we get into, you know, the beginning of show season for many people. And I think it's a time to think about your horses and maybe have some body work done and just make sure that they're, they're feeling their best before you ask them to go out there and perform for you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, Jenny. Bath time is never complete without Mane and Tail's Ultimate Gloss Shampoo and Conditioner. This revolutionary formula is designed to get even the teeniest particles of dirt and dander out of the skin and hair, keeping it clean longer without stripping the coat of its natural oils. With its pH balance formula and natural ingredients, This must-have shampoo and conditioner works like a dream to deep clean and remove dirt, dried sweat, and salty layers while moisturizing the coat, mane, and tail to prevent breakage. 
Ultimate Gloss also contains protein and natural oils like coconut and avocado oil that helps strengthen, volumize, and moisturize, providing a high shine, show ready finish. Ultimate Gloss is saddle safe. So if you bathe your horse before you ride, your saddle will not slip. Unlock new levels of high shine and gloss and discover the secret by visiting ultimategloss.com or visit a tax store near you. The ASPCA's Right Horse Program brings us this month's adoptable horse, Armani, a beautiful buckskin gelding, and he's got some really nice dapples. Today, we are chatting with Tania Creamer, the founder and director of Heart of Phoenix in Shoals, West Virginia. Thanks for being with us today, Tania. We're so excited to hear about Armani and learn about him and um, hopefully try to connect him with his person. So um, tell me first, where is Shoals, West Virginia? So we are located right in a little corner of West Virginia that backs into both Kentucky and Ohio. So we can be in Eastern Kentucky in 15 minutes. Uh, we can be in Southern Ohio in 15 minutes. And we serve um, all of West Virginia and much of Kentucky and Ohio um, with what we do at Heart of Phoenix. All right. And then um, we would love to hear a bio about Armani. He's incredibly cute. He's he gorgeous. Like, yeah. <laughs> Those dapples for days. My goodness. He's people really need to check him out, even if, um, you know, they're not on the market for a horse. It's, it's fun. Uh, eye candy. So he has a unique story, um, within West Virginia and Eastern Kentucky, there are active mine sites and there are reclaimed mine sites. And this, uh, compromises hundreds of thousands of acres in uh, this region. And back in 2008, nine, uh, people started dropping off horses that they could not take care of on this land that is otherwise mostly vacant. At this point, these days, we're, there are thousands of feral born horses, multi-generational uh, on these lands. Heart of Phoenix and a few other organizations work to step in and accept these horses when the need arises. Sometimes we take part in rounding them up. Uh, sometimes others round them up and then they come to us because we have the resources to take care of them. So Armani came from Eastern Kentucky. He was rounded up by a horse trainer that then was not able to provide for him or help him or handle him because he was an exceptionally uh, reactive, difficult, very feral horse. And so we were able to partner with Patrick Sullivan of Gamila Unbridled in Texas. And through the help of the ride horse, we were able to get him transported to Patrick. And so Armani is, you know, two, three, four, five generations feral born. Um, you know, we don't know his breeding, but he was a band stallion that had a very large herd of mares. And at some point before he was rounded up, another stallion came in kind of in the, in the way that wild horses do took his, his band of mares from him. And he was rounded up with just a couple of horses with him. And so he has been in training for, um, about a year and a half now. Uh, with Patrick Sullivan and Patrick is a Liberty based trainer. So everything about starting Armani has been very kind, very Liberty uh, based, and that's worked really well for the horse that he is. And so at the end of April uh, at Patrick Sullivan's um, 
a place of his choosing. He's going to do a Liberty demonstration with multiple horses that he's been working with for both Heart of Phoenix and other organizations. And at that point, Armani will be adoptable. Um, we're hoping that somebody who has a passion for Liberty offers him a home. I think that's the best fit for him. Um, he is beautiful. Uh, he's very reactive, very kind. Um, he, it will be, you know, his right person will be somebody who really wants to take time to build a relationship with him. And um, I think he just has a lot of potential. And I know uh, his his foundation and his training is absolutely rock solid. His his trainer has just focused on whatever has been best for him and um, has brought him a long way. Excellent. So would you say if there was someone who's a very seasoned um, horse horseman or horsewoman and um, not a stranger to uh, maybe they've worked with Mustangs in the past or um, have a knack for, uh, you know, horses that aren't golden retrievers. Um, I mean, would it have to be someone who's really familiar with Liberty work or could it be someone who just has a really strong base with um, reactive type horses that would I, fit? I would say, it, I mean, and we have handled, you know, hundreds of feral horses. I think with Armani specifically, it's going to have to be somebody that at least has an interest in learning Liberty because mm -hmm. everything he knows about human touch has been with that in mind. Um, he is under saddle. Uh, but every bit of his training has been Liberty led. Um, he would need someone who has some experience, I feel, with feral horses or with Mustangs. But he there are, you know, there are some differences uh, with feral horses um, in eastern Kentucky and Appalachia, uh, all of that region. Uh, you know, they're a little more familiar with people. They're used to people feeding them. So there's there's some parts of the horses in that region that make them a little easier. Some some things about them. Are a little more difficult. So I really think for it to be a good fit, it's somebody who at least has an interest in learning with, with Patrick Sullivan or another Liberty trainer, um, what has worked for Armani. All right. And then where can people learn more about Armani and see his cute dapples and possibly even apply to adopt him? So the best way, if somebody is on social media, uh, we use hashtags for people to follow all of the horses that are within Heart of Phoenix with a trainer. So if someone goes to Facebook or Instagram and they use the hashtag Pop Team Armani, then his entire journey uh, with Patrick, you can find all the videos, all the stories about him. And then, of course, um, anyone can go to um, heartofphoenix.org uh, or they can go to wvhorserescue.org. And they can get in touch with us and then we can connect them to Patrick so that if they have questions about whether they could possibly be a good fit, um, we are hoping that following the conclusion of the exhibition they do in April, that we will have some applicants approved for him to be able to, you know, to see who the right person for him will be. Sounds great. And if you don't mind, Tania, if you could say that hashtag one more time, I'm an Instagram user and I think you said uh, hop like H O P for heart of Phoenix. And then I forgot the other part. Yes. So it's, it'll be hashtag H O P team Armani. Armani. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. And this is really exciting and we're, um, hoping for big things with a perfect home for Armani. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening to our show. We want to hear from you. What topics are you interested in? 
You can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Saddle Seeks Horse. And Raquel is on both Facebook and Instagram too at Horses and Heels with a little underscore at the end. Don't be shy. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you enjoy Barn Banter, please subscribe, leave us a review, and tell your friends so more horse lovers can find us. See you next month. Horse Illustrated can be found at horseillustrated.com. For special subscription discounts on Horse Illustrated and Young Rider, just for podcast listeners, visit horseillustrated.com slash podcasts.